0: to even darker I'm so glad you're here having always been fascinated by fairy tales mythical creatures mythology folk tales and legends I wanted to create a podcast about these exact stories in each episode Chris Gordon Jasonette or Damian Drake will tell us a story then I Regina Drake will review the points of the story I found most interesting, shocking, or downright unforgivable. Allow me to show you the origins of things even darker. Take heed, these are in the original early content, not the Big Mouse versions. No shade on him, but this is not for the young i'm excited to announce our edition of mythical moments of mythology with karen ellinger finally we are going to get a dose of mythology my favorite Episode, which falls in the second week of October, we begin with Frau Trude. This comes to us from Germany. The authors Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, their source a poem by Mir Teddy in the year 1823. And now for our story.
1: Frau Trude. Once upon a time, there was a small girl who was strong-willed and forward. And whenever her parents said anything to her, she disobeyed them. How could anything go well for her? One day she said to her parents, I have heard so much about Frau Trude. I want to go to her place. People say such amazing things are seen there, and such strange things happen there, that I have become very curious. Her parents strictly forbade her from saying, Frau Trude is a wicked woman who commits godless acts. If you go there, you will no longer be our child. But the girl paid no attention to her parents and went to Frau Trude's place anyway. When she arrived there, Frau Trude asked, Why are you so pale? Oh, she answered, trembling all over. I saw something that frightened me. What did you see? I saw a black man on your steps. That was a charcoal burner. Then I saw a green man. That was the huntsman. Then I saw a blood-red man. That was the butcher. Oh, Fra Trude, it frightened me when I looked through your window and I could not see you but instead saw the devil with a head of fire. Ah, she said, so you saw the witch properly outfitted. I have been waiting for you and waiting for you for a long time. Light the way for me now. With that, she turned the girl into a block of wood and threw her into the fire. When it was thoroughly aglow, she sat down next to it and warmed herself by saying, It gives such bright light. The end.
0: Once upon a time, there was a small girl who was strong-willed and forward. Forward. You say that like it's a bad thing. Well, it's Halloween. Let's pick on the children. (laughs) A disobedient child. Well, she's definitely not of the age to think things through. On top of the fact that going to the witch's cottage and expecting Frau Trude to explain what frightened her, well, she might not be the brightest bulb on the porch either. You might have thought this story was a synopsis, but nope. This is full length. At least it's the only one I could find. We get this rush of information, black man, green man, red man, which Frau Trude easily explains, though we, the reader, have no detail. So I'm left thinking Frau Trude has a DoorDash account? Charcoal, huntsman, and a butcher? No matter how pushy, Does this little girl deserve to be turned into wood and tossed into the fire? (laughs) Uh, I guess the little girl was pretty bright in the end. But wait, there's more.
1: An old witch. An old witch, in the days of yore, lived in this neighborhood, and whenever she wanted money, she would assume the shape of a hare, and would send out her grandson to tell a certain huntsman who lived hard by that he had seen a hare sitting at such a particular spot, for which he always receives the reward of sixpence. After this deception had many times been practiced, the dogs turned out, the hare pursued, and often seen but never caught, a sportsman of a party began to suspect in the language of the tradition that the devil was in the dance and there would be no end to it. The matter was discussed and justice consulted and clergyman to boot. And it was thought that however clever the devil might be, law and church combined would be more than a match for him. It was therefore agreed that as a boy was singularly regular in the hour at which he came to announce the sight of the hare, all should be in readiness for a start. That instant, such information was given. A neighbor of the witch, nothing friendly to her, promised to let parties know directly the old woman of her grandson left the cottage and went off together, the one to be hunted, and the other sent out to hunt. The news came. The hounds were unkindled, the huntsmen and the sportsmen set off with a surprising speed. The witch, now a hare, and her little colleague in Inquity did not expect so very speedy a turnout. So the game was pushed at a desperate rate, and the boy, forgetting himself in the moment of alarm, was heard of exclaim, Run, Granny, run for your life, run. At last the pursuers lost the hare and she once more got safe into a cottage by a little hole in a door, not large enough to admit a hound and chase. The huntsmen and all the squires with their train lent a hand to break open the door, and yet could not do it till the parson and the justice came up. But as law and church were certainly designed to break through inquiry, even so did now succeed in bursting the magic bonds that opposed them. Upstairs they all went. There they found the old hag bleeding and covered with wounds, and still out of breath. She denied she was a hare, and railed at the whole party. "'Call up the hounds,' said the huntsman, "'and let us see what they take. Maybe we may have all another hunt upon us.' On hearing this, the old woman cried quarter. The boy dropped to his knees and begged hard for mercy. "'Mercy! Mercy!' Mercy was granted on condition of it being received together with good whipping, and the huntsman, having a long practised amongst the hounds, now tried his hands on their game. This the old woman escaped a worse fate for the time present. But on being afterwards put on her trial for bewitching a young woman and making her spirits pins, the tale just told was given as evidence against her before a particularly learned judge and remarkably sadistic jury, and the old woman finished her days like a martyr at the stake. The end.
0: This is from England, first published in 1838. I loved how this was a con by a witch grandmother and her grandson. It was really kind of brilliant, except that I suppose the hunters were bound to figure it out. But who is the stupid head in this story? Do hunters really pay for animal sightings? Instead, the whole town unites and does a sting on the poor boy and his grand. It did end badly for them. So, witches are hags, wizened old women, a crone, a kind of fairy, or goddess that appears as a woman. Hags are often labeled as malevolent, shape-shifting deities. In folklore, a crone is an old woman characterized as disagreeable, malicious, or sinister in manner. Often, magical or supernatural, which can be used for good or evil. One such deity is the Morgane. Frequently seen as a goddess of battle and war, she encourages warriors to do brave deeds, to strike fear into their enemies, and is portrayed as washing the blood-stained clothes of those fated to die. Do we ever get away from household chores? Even a deity is doing wash. And for whom? They're fated to die. Interesting background of her name. more M-O-R. The root of it, it means terror or monstrous. Regain, R-I-G-A-N, translates to queen. There have been attempts to link the Morgaine with Morgan Le Fay, the supernatural sister of King Arthur. Morgaine is portrayed as a hag and as a seductress. The triple goddess, neo-paganism, particularly the Wicca, symbolizes the dark goddess, the dark of the moon, the end of a cycle. Together with the mother and the maiden, she represents part of the circle of life. In New Age and feminist spiritual circles, a croning is a ritual rite of passage into an era of wisdom, freedom, and personal power. I use the word neo paganism. I was interested in the definition and I wanted to share it with you a modern religious movement which seeks to incorporate beliefs or ritual practices from traditions outside the main world religions, especially those of pre-Christian Europe and North America. In my research, I found a claim that Diana considered the virgin goddess and protector of childbirth as being the mother of witchcraft. That interests me because so often we have heard that midwives were accused of being witches. Diana was merged with three deities, Luna, the goddess of the moon, Hecate, who is of the underworld. Diana is revered in modern neo-pagan religions, including the Streghera, I murdered that, and Wicca. Stragonera took hold of Southern Europe before the Catholic Church forced practitioners to conform. Stragera is rooted in folk magic having little to do with witchcraft. Italian witchcraft was adopted by the Gardnerian Wicca, ideas inspired by the Aradia, or the Gospel of the Witches, dated 1899. Leland, the writer, claimed that a witch cult was located in medieval Tuscany. Aradia is one of the names of the great goddess, moon goddess, or the queen of witches. As promised, now for even darker.
2: The
1: Devil's Tyranny Against a Married Couple In stories, we read about two young married people who love one another with all their hearts and get along ever so well together. The devil wanted to sow discord between them so they would no longer love one another. He went to an old whore, a wicked woman, and offered her a pair of red shoes if she could sow discord between the married people. The old slut accepted the challenge and went to the man and said, Listen, your wife is planning to kill you. The man said, That cannot be true. I know that my wife loves me sincerely. No, said the old woman. She's in love with someone else, and she intends to slit your throat. Thus she succeeded in making the man afraid of his own wife. He thought that something horrible might happen to him. Soon afterward, the old slut went to the man's wife and said, Your husband does not love you. When the wife answered, I have a pious husband, and I know that he loves me. The old slut responded, No, he wants to take another woman, so you should stop him. Take a razor, put it under his pillow, and kill him. The wife believed the old slut, and the poor crazy fool became furious with her husband. The husband grew suspicious, and learning from the old whore that his wife had hidden a razor under the pillow, he waited until his wife was asleep, found the razor, and killed his wife. The old woman came to the devil and demanded the pair of red shoes. The devil reached the shoes to her, but he did so on a long pole, for he was afraid of her. He said, Take them. You are wickeder than I. The end.
0: This story is from Germany and told by none other than Martin Luther. It was published in 1593. Now, Martin Luther, the Protestant, Or, as I understand it, the driving force of the Protestant religion? Well, this sex worker didn't ask for much. Just a pair of red shoes. But maybe in that day and age you couldn't get red leather. 1593. They didn't hold back, did they? Whore, slut, wow. Wow. As my husband says, everybody just calm down. To me, the corroding thread is distrust. Yep, that has taken down two of my relationships. We end the story with murder, and then the devil goes and gaslights our sex worker for doing the job he couldn't by telling her, you're much worse than me he then holds out the shoes on a long bean pole is this the birth of i wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole and now for our weekly installment of pinocchio
3: Pinocchio, chapter 25. Pinocchio promises the fairy to be good and to study as he is growing tired of being a marionette and wishes to become a real boy. If Pinocchio cried much longer, the little woman thought he would melt away. So she finally admitted that she was the little fairy with azure hair. You rascal of a marionette. How did you know it was I? She asked, laughing. My love for you told me you were. Do you remember? You left me when I was a little girl and now you find me a grown woman. I'm so old. I could almost be your mother. I'm very glad for that. For then I can call you mother instead of sister. For a long time I've wanted a mother just like other boys, but did you grow so quickly? How? That's a secret. Tell it to me. I also want to grow a little. Look at me. I've never grown higher than a penny's worth of cheese. But you can't grow, answered the fairy. Why not? Because marionettes never grow. They are born marionettes, they live marionettes, and they die marionettes. Oh, I'm Tired of always being a marionette, cried Pinocchio disgustedly. It's about time for me to grow into a man, as everyone else does. And you will, if you deserve it. Really? What can I do to deserve it? It's very simple. Try to act like a well-behaved child. Don't you think I do? (laughs) Far from it, said the fairy. Good boys are obedient. And you, on the contrary, I, I never obey. Good boys love study and work, but you and I, on the contrary, am a lazy fellow and tramp around all year. Good boys always tell the truth, and I always tell lies. Good boys go gladly to school, and I get sick if I go to school. From now on, I'll I'll be different. Do you promise? I promise I want to be a good boy and comfort to my father. Where is my poor father now? I do not know. Will I ever be lucky enough to find him and embrace him once more? I think so. and Indeed, I'm sure of it. At this answer... Pinocchio's happiness was very great. He grasped the fairy's hands and kissed them so hard that it looked as if he'd lost his head. Then lifting his face, he looked at her lovingly and asked, Tell me, little mother, it isn't true that you're dead, is it? It doesn't seem so, answered the fairy, smiling. If I only knew I suffered and how I wept when I read Here Lies. I know it and for that I have forgiven you. The depth of your sorrow made me see that you have a kind heart. There is always hope for boys with hearts such as yours, though they may often be very mischievous. This is the reason why I have come so far to look for you. From now on, I'll be your own little mother. No, how lovely, cried Pinocchio, jumping with joy. You will obey me always and do as I wish? Gladly, very gladly, more than gladly. Beginning tomorrow, said the fairy, you'll go to school every day. Pinocchio's face fell a little. Then you will choose the trade you like best. Pinocchio became more serious. What are you mumbling to yourself? asked the fairy. I, w- I was just saying, that," whined the marionette in a whisper, that it seems too late for me to go to school now. No, indeed. Remember, it is never too late to learn. But I don't want a trade or a profession. Why? Because work wearies me. My dear boy, said the fairy, people who speak as you usually end their days in prison or a hospital. A man... Remember, whether rich or poor should do something in this world, no one can find happiness without work. Woe betide the lazy fellow. Laziness is a serious illness, and one must cure it immediately, even in early childhood. If not, it will kill you in the end. These words touched Pinocchio's heart. He lifted his eyes to his fairy and said seriously, Now work. I'll study, I'll do, all that you tell me. After all, the life of a marionette has grown very tiresome to me, and I want to become a real boy, no matter how hard it is. You promise that, do you not? Yes, I promise. And now, it's up to you.
0: Chapter 25 of the Original Pinocchio Okay, the Azure Fairy says that she was a girl when they met, how did I miss that? I thought she was a woman, okay, so I missed that. And then Pinocchio, cling much? Best line, higher than a penny's worth of cheese. <laughs> how, how, how big is the cheese? And I don't know about you, but the azure fairy is awfully kind to Pinocchio. I, I just don't get it. I I don't think I could be that. I think you'd find me choking him in the corner. But um, she does admit that he is far from a good boy. Does it, nobody care about what happened to Geppetto? He just drowned and that's, that's it? I kept, I thought, of course, being raised on um, the big mouse storyline, I assumed, oh, we're going to come to the whale part, but no. Second best line, work wearies me. I think it does everybody, Pinocchio. It's just your bank account revitalizes you. Now, For our new segment, Mythical Moments in Mythology, with Karen Ellinger.
2: Mermaids are humans with the lower body of a fish, and centaurs are humans with the body of a horse. But what are dracaenae? Dracenae are a type of creature in Greek mythology with the upper body of a beautiful woman and the lower body of a fearsome dragon. The most famous of the Dracenae was Campe, who was tasked with guarding the gates of Tartarus. Campe was a formidable creature, and along with the body of the dragon, she had a scorpion's tail capable of injecting deadly venom, hundreds of vipers around her feet, the heads of 50 beasts such as bears and wolves around her waist, and a large pair of black wings. We first hear of the imprisonment of the Cyclops and Hundred Handers and their subsequent release by Zeus in Hesiod's Theogony. However, Hesiod makes no mention of Pompeii or any guard for the prisoners. These events were probably also told in the lost epic poem, The Titanomachy, Upon which the mythographer Apollodorus perhaps based his account of the war. According to Apollodorus, Zeus waged the war against Cronos and the Titans. They fought for ten years, and Earth prophesied victory to Zeus if he should have as allies those who had been hurled down to Tartarus. So he slew their jailer as Campe and loosed their bonds. Diodorus Siculus says that the god Dionysus while camped beside the libyan city of zabuma encountered and killed an earthborn monster called campe that was terrorizing the city killing many of its residents neither apollodorus nor diodorus provide any description of campe however the greek poet nanus provides an elaborately detailed one according to nanus zeus with his thunderbolt destroyed high-headed campe for all the many crooked shapes of her whole body A thousand crawlers from her viperish feet, spitting poison afar, were fanning Anio to a flame, a mass of misshapen coils. Round her neck flowered fifty various heads of wild beasts. Some roared with lion's heads like the grim face of the riddling sphinx. Others were sputtering foam from the tusks of wild boars. Her countenance was the very image of Assylla, with a marshaled regiment of thronging dogs' heads. Double-shaped, she appeared a woman to the middle of her body, with clusters of poison-spitting serpents for hair. Her giant form, from the chest to the parting point of the thighs, was covered all over with the bastard shape of hard sea monster's scales. The claws of her wide, scattering hands were curved like a sickle, from her neck over her terrible shoulders, with tail raised high over her throat a scorpion with an ice-sting sharp-welded, clawed and coiled upon itself. Such was manifold-shaped Campe as she rose writhing and flew, roaming about earth and air and briny deep, and flapping a couple of dusky wings, rousing temptesses and arming gales. that black-winged nymph of Tartarus. From her eyelids a flickering flame belched out far-traveling sparks, Yet heavenly Zeus killed that great monster and conquered the sneaky Inio Kronos. With the resurgence in popularity of dragons, thanks to movies like The Hobbit and shows like Game of Thrones, it is surprising that Dracini are not more well known. Since we're now in the month of October, I'd like to share some trivia pertaining to the origins of Halloween as celebrated around the world. The day from which Halloween took its cues was Lumeria or the Lumeralia, a day which the ancient Romans attempted to placate their ancestors' ghosts or lemurs with a ceremony that involved taking off their shoes, cleaning their hands, and throwing beans all over the house. As the head of the family wandered around getting beans everywhere, The rest of the family followed the head around, banging pots and pans together, hopefully expelling the ancestor ghosts. The whole month was thought to be unlucky, which is probably one of the reasons May was and is considered an inauspicious month for weddings. Eventually, Christianity adopted La Maria as a day sacred to all the martyrs, then finally moved it to November 1st, All Saints Day. The End
0: Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, not done. Scorpions, scales and serpents. I don't even know what else to say other than the description broke my imagination. And that's quite a belt you have, Campy. I think you might not even be allowed into a Halloween party if you made this costume. You know the saying, the stuff of nightmares? No, this is the breeder of nightmares. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Even Darker. Please review and follow us. If you'd like to support us, do it! I'd love to hear your feedback, so leave a voice message if you are so inclined. I want to thank two of my most favorite men on this planet, Damian Drake and Jay Stinnett, for being our storytellers. And give an even darker welcome to Karen Ellinger. Even Darker is made with Anchor and can be found on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast platforms.